Um, hey, just before we dive into the text uh, this morning, uh, just uh, speaking of wisdom, I do just want to throw out just a little thought for you as we uh, head into the holiday season. Uh, it's not appropriate um, for us to talk about this next week because we want to make it uh, particularly focused on our guests and whatnot. But for just a quick in-house chat, uh, as we go into um, the holiday break, one of the dangers is that the rhythms that we've contended for in terms of devotional practices and uh, gratitude practices, um, on Sabbath practices, whatever it may be, all of those things that, that the anchor points we have in our life to keep us connected to Jesus, um, they go. Like all the rhythms change because we're on holiday, right? And the danger is that uh, as that change, as we change gears and get into holiday mode, that we we can lose touch with Jesus. Not because we you know we don't like him anymore or anything, simply because those anchor points have disappeared. And so can I just encourage you now to be thinking about what your rhythms are going to look like in holiday mode to stay connected to Jesus? Because we've probably all had those moments when we turn up to church in the new year and it's like, ooh, that's right. <laughs> Extra communion for me this morning. And hello, Jesus, remember me? We talked last year. Uh, wasn't that a lovely break? And we can have a break without Jesus. And so uh, I'd, I'd love to invite you to think about what does it look like and the, and the more specific you can get about, around what your spiritual rhythms, your devotional rhythms look like, the higher chance they'll actually happen. Like when is it going to be? What's going to be your reminder? You know, I've said this before, but the best way to, to have a habit is to attach it to another habit that's already there. So for example, wheat bicks can be the trigger for Bible. Oh, wheat bix, that's right. I read my Bible when I eat my wheat bix. And it's the little it's the trigger. You've already got hopefully that habit of having breakfast. I'm not sure whether your eating takes a break over summer. If anything, it doesn't. It's the opposite. Uh, but uh, is that cool? And for our upper clip groups, we're actually holding each other accountable to that. And if you're in a home church or you've got a crew that you're tracking with here in the church, it can be good to verbalize that. We're going to be doing that this Thursday morning at Milk and Honey. It's like we're going to present to the boys on paper. Here's what we're going to. Here's our rhythms for the summer, so that we. Um, and it and it's not just like you know I've got to make sure I read my Bible and stuff as much as that's important. But it's like, what is it going to look like for you to rest really well? So rather than drift along with summer, like what? How can you lean into those refreshing choices rather than you know and win the day and 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 really fill your tanks because we need a good summer break amen come on church we need a good summer break right we need a i'm like Lord, please bless us with good weather. I know it's been a little wobbly so far, but Lord, that's fine as long as that patch in January is good, you know. Uh, but whatever it looks like, let, you know, let's lean into having a really ref the best summer break we can possibly have. And let's not pray that that happens by accident. Let's be intentional about what it, what it looks like to stay connected to Jesus and to rest well. Okay, to pie? All good. Okay. Let's have a look. If you've got your Bibles, uh, why don't you open them? We're going to have a quick look at um, some stuff here. So during Advent, we remember that God came and dwelt among us, which is just extraordinary. Like, that is phenomenal. Now, in Isaiah 6, there's a bunch of passages. If you're doing Bible in a year today, you would have read in Revelation 4, another passage. There's these little moments where we see what God is like, particularly in terms of how angelic beings respond to God. And uh, one of my favourites in Isaiah is from Isaiah chapter 6. 
And uh, it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, this is Isaiah, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Now, okay, let's stop there. Seraphim are not the little angel that you've got on top of your Christmas tree right now. They are, they are hardcore angelic beings. Most likely, if a seraphim turned up in Bay Vineyard right now, we would all be incinerated because of the, 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 the holiness and the glory of these angelic beings. Okay, have you got your head around that? These are not little cupid, fat, chubby things or little bows and arrows. These are hardcore angels. Uh, if you try and imagine the tallest building you've ever seen in your life, these angels are bigger than that. If you try and imagine the loudest sound system you've ever heard, and then you combine all the sound systems in the world into one location and turn it up to 11, someone will get that reference, uh, those angelic beings are louder than that. And if you've got every piece of, of, of weaponry, nuclear weapons, every little pop gun, every bullet, every explosive thing into, and condensed it into one location, those angels are more powerful than that. These are serious, hardcore beings. Now look at how these angelic beings respond to the holiness and to the glory of God. It says they have six wings. With two, they cover their faces. With two, they cover their feet. And the other two, they've got to use to fly, clearly. <laughs> and so this is like in front of the glory of God, they're like covering themselves like this. And they're like this. And then the other two, like that. And, and they're just looking to each other and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. And as they say, say this, it says the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And the earth is filled with His glory. <laughs> Isaiah's looking at this. How do, you, how do you respond? I mean, if you read the, continue reading the passage, he's just like, I'm ruined. <laughs> I'm a man of unclean lips. He's like, his sin is so exposed in the holiness that he sees. This is the God who came to earth. This is why Advent's monstrous. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Philippians 2. Listen, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Listen, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. I'll be made in human likeness. And this is what it continues to say. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. This was like a song the early church would sing. They were so captivated that this God would come. And, and, and they were so captivated by, by what that meant God is like. They're like, if you, they're like challenging each other, try and be like Jesus, who was God and yet just clothed himself in humility and came and dwelt among us. Just incredible. It's so moving if you think about it. This holy God comes in the form of this vulnerable little baby. 
Advent says what God is like, and, and just two thoughts this morning on, on this. Obviously, the first one is humility. God's humble. How amazing is that? Um, I, I had the amazing privilege, just before we planted the church, we, we moved here, and uh, I got to go to Cambodia when you could fly on planes and all that and hang out with a bunch of people in Cambodia that were looking at planting a church. Now, we hadn't planted our church yet, so I went along as the church planting expert, <laughs> even though we hadn't planted anything, and, uh, and got to hang out with these amazing people in Cambodia, very, uh, very humble themselves uh, because of the poverty that uh, they endure and uh, live with, uh, but so much joy, you know. And uh, so it was just a very rich week, and it's, it's healthy. If you haven't gone to a country like Cambodia or some, somewhere similar to that, can I urge you to do that as part of your formation, as part of your desire to follow Jesus? Like, we live in, in, a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a crazy bubble of, of wealth, and we're just so, we get so used to it, it normalizes it. Two-thirds of the world don't live like we live today. And, uh, and so I went over there, and that was, um, that was very moving, very special. Um, but uh, I traveled, started traveling home, and I was so excited. Like, I love traveling. I love, ev- I love airports. I love little planes. I love big planes. I love airport food. I love um, plane food. I love, I love the queues. I love, you know, introverted, you know, queue. You get the headphones going. I just, everything about travel I just love. So I was just frothing about getting to the airport there and on the way back. But I was especially excited because just before we moved to Napier, one of my friends, Stefan Lendl, uh, works for Hamilton Jet, and he travels all the time. And he had given you, some of you guys know this story. So I got given a choral membership. And so he's gold elite, um, and uh, that means he gets to give someone. And so, like, we're living by faith when we first get here in Napier. Like, I'm the, I'm, we're not in the big dineros. Like, you don't choose church planting because of the income stream. <laughs> you know, it's like we were, we were, you know, it was very basic living and all that. Uh, but I had Cory membership. I couldn't believe it. And, uh, and so some of you guys um, know what I'm talking about. It's just like I've got this buffet in the Cory lounge. It's all you can eat. And uh, so, you know, they don't market it like that, but that's the way I see it. And you go in there, it's all you can eat. And, uh, and um, the thing with it, it turns out the Cory you've got to act nonchalant, like, oh, whatever, you know, like just another day being really important and have special access to special places. And yeah, I might have some free food. And I'll turn out hours early and just like, and I'll just stay there as long as I could. And it's just heaven. And what, was, what I was especially excited about was that on the way home from Cambodia, we're going via Singapore, and because of, uh, of my special access and my special card, unlike you peasants that have jade or not even anything, uh, I, I got access. And the thing is, I got access to the business class lounge at Singapore Airport. Like, I was just so pumped. Like, I was like, this is amongst my people, you know, with the elite. And, uh, and so I literally hop off the plane in Singapore. I'm just running. I'm like just, I'm with my van, just running like to try and get as quick as I can. And then like, it's a big terminal. I'm like, woo you know, I'll go up to some, where's the business class lounge? Like, woo you know, <laughs> didn't act nonchalant at all because I just wanted to get in. I was like, what do I go, you know, four hours on the road. We've got to try and get there as quick as I can. Fight, and, I, and then I get there and like the lady's a bit suspicious, rightly so. Yeah, looks at me, looks at me, oh, no, rings up, you know, finally I get in there, and guys, it's awesome, like, the, the curry lounges in New Zealand are okay, but the Singapore business class lounge, another, multiple buffets, not just one, multiple buffets, so I'm just like, this dieting on them, I had a shower, and you know, fancy showers, it turns out, have multiple jets from different angles, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> 
had a shower of multiple angles. It was quite, quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> and went back for round three at the buffet and just, you know, I was uh, really just in heaven. Um, and I had this really insane moment. I'm sitting there amongst all this wealth and privilege. And, um, and all around the business class lounge, there were these um, people cleaning up and that sort of thing. And most of them were from Malaysia and come to work in Singapore. And, um, and all of a sudden, the Lord started speaking to me really, really clearly. And I just got really emotional because I was looking at these humble, humble servants in the midst of all this wealth, entitlement, privilege. And, and um, Jesus, clear as day, said, as you look around this lounge, if you want to know what I'm like, I'm like these guys. And it was like so powerful. And I'm, try- and I'm like, the Bible says what we do to the least of these, it's like we do it to Jesus. And so, like, I'm trying to be the kindest person in that business class lounge and thank them profusely and try and help them, you know. And they wouldn't even look me in the eye, you know. And I felt like Jesus said, this is what I want my church to be like. This is what I want, the heart that I want. Why? Because it's his heart. It's his heart. If there was anyone that deserved to feel entitled, it was Jesus. He was the creator of the universe, Right? I mean, if anyone deserved to have a little bit of an ego, it was Jesus. And, and how, how does Jesus come? He comes in the most humble possible way. He could have, like, there were other options, but he chose to come. Like, he could have just turned up on the old chariot, you know, and the business class chariot and just, you know, come. And it's like, no, he comes. He comes and he's born in a little manger, <laughs> Surrounded by the mess and the animals, and with a very nervous teenage mum, and, and a perplexed teenage dad, and uh, and it's just the whole story is so messy and 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 humble. I was hanging out this week. We uh, just spent a couple of days over in Topol having, um, uh, on my side of the family, we have a yearly get-together. For whatever reason, mum and dad thought we'll do it two weeks out from Christmas. We were all going to see each other anyway again. But uh, we had a lovely time. And I'm hanging out with my sister and her um, gorgeous little baby, Hugo, who's not, he's like eight months at the moment. And I keep looking at little Hugo and I'm like, God, you were like that for a while? <laughs> like, that's mental. Like, that is so insane. How... How, this is meant to, because it's in such sharp contrast to how we operate. You know, we, we all, if we're deeply honest, we want to be in places of honour. We want to be at the top of the pile. We want to be in the business class lounge. We want, you know, our culture's obsessed with fame and power and wealth and position. And there's this huge sense of entitlement in our culture. I deserve to be treated like this. And, um, and tragically, even in the last couple of months, some of that culture with, amongst certain you know, um, Christian leaders in the world has come back to you know, be revealed and bite, bite them and all that. And it's like, that isn't who we are because that's not who Jesus is. Advent reminds us that our God is insanely humble. He's so humble in heart. It's mind-blowing. It really is. This is why we cycle through these uh, seasons like Advent every year to remind us of what God is like. He's humble. He's humble. 
Humility doesn't mean you don't have fun. Jesus was filled with joy. Humility means that, uh, doesn't mean that you're not a strong leader or that you get walked over. Jesus is very strong. And, uh, but humility is a space where you don't think you're entitled. You don't think, oh, I deserve this. Or, or, humility is a place where you're happy to serve. And I'm very proud of um, the culture that we're building in this church around that. I love this. I love this. All of these boxes say, so we are here to bless we are here to serve. We are here to love. I have issues with pastors that want to come and take over. We're not here to come and take over. We're here to come under. We have come here to serve, to serve, to get on our, on our knees and to, and, to, and to wash feet and to love and to care. Humility is the choice to forego status and deploy your resources or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. That's what God did when he came in Jesus. God did this by coming in the flesh in absolute vulnerability and total dependence of his mother. Just incredible humility. So that's the first point, is that this, this season reminds us that God is humble in heart. And that's a, that, that makes me want to get Matt and the gang up again and just worship him for who he is. That's why in Philippians 2 they wrote that song. This is what he's like. Secondly, uh, this season reminds us that uh, God wants to be with us, that God wants to be with us. God has always, always pursued us. He has always pursued us. And as Luke said in his little corridor for communion, it reminds us, this, this reminds us that he's Emmanuel, the God with us, the lengths God would go to to be with us. And the incredible story of the Bible is that all the way through the Bible, it's the story of God that wants to be with you. In the beginning, God created the world and he created us in his image and in his likeness. And God, who is love, desired nothing more than to have face-to-face -face love relationship with his image bearers. How beautiful is that? That was his heart from the very start. But God, whose love, knows that love is a choice. And so he invested in us the real actual freedom to choose to love him back or to go our own way. And we chose to go our own way in the garden. We chose to go our own way. And in that garden, he keeps looking for us. He keeps pursuing us. He, he keeps saying, he keeps trying to looking for us. Uh, when Cain and Abel, uh, uh, when Cain, after he killed Abel, uh, God said to him, I'll protect you from other people's vengeance. And he comes looking for the children of Israel. And even when he's looking for them, they keep turning away. And then he's like, I'll give laws to guide you. And, uh, and I'll give directions to lead you back to holiness. And they're like, no, thank you. We want the golden calf. And we chose that instead. And God said, I'll, God said, I'll send prophets to teach you who will call you. And we said, no. And even in the end, he's like, I will let you go into captivity, not because I want to punish you, but because I want to create a longing in you for me. And so he keeps pursuing the whole Bible is the story of pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. And eventually, even though we keep turning away, he sends his son Jesus to come to earth and become one of us and to live as the perfect man among us. Matthew 1 verse 23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's incredible. Like this is the links God will go to. He just wants you. He wants you. And, you know, again, you have the freedom to walk away. And, and, boy, have we walked away at times, right? We've all got the stories. That's just the, we, are, we are exactly the same as all those dropkicks in the Bible that keep walking away from such a loving God. That's us so many, so much of the time, right? We get proud. 
They're like, no, we're going to just... And yet he still is just waiting. And it's like the story of the prodigal son and the father who's just waiting. That's what God is. Jesus told that story to say, to, to try and drive on the point, this is what God is like. And so even this morning, it doesn't matter what you've done. God's like, come home. Come home. It's your choice. I'm not going to force you. It's an invitation. But he longs. He's just pursuing us in his love and pursuing us in his love. He, he so desperately wants you. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, as only Charles Spurgeon could say. He says, it's wisdom's mystery, God's, God with us. Sages look at, it, look at it and wonder. Angels desire to see it. The plumb line of reason cannot reach halfway into its depths. The eagle wings of science cannot fly so high and the piercing eye of the vulture of research cannot see it. God with us. It is hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. His uh, legions fly apace. The black-winged dragon of the pit quails before it. Let Satan come to you suddenly and do you but whisper that word, God with us, and back he falls, confounded and confused. Satan trembles when he hears that name, Emmanuel, God with us. It is the laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knee in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor acknowledge his master? How could men labor if that one word were taken away? God with us. God with us is the sufferer's comfort. It is the balm of his woe. The alleviation of his misery is the sleep which God gives to his beloved is the arrest after exertion and toil. God with us is eternity's sun. It is heaven's hallelujah. Is the shout of the glorified. Is the song of the redeemed. Is the chorus of angels. Is the everlasting oratio, oratio, oratorio. Someone oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky, God with us. What a great finish. Um, <laughs> strong. Yes, old Spurgeon would be proud. <laughs> Advent reminds us that God's with us. And, you know, it's been a pretty dumpster fire of a year, just in general, plus everything else that's happened to some of you that's just been life on top of the dumpster fire, you know. But the reminder in this season is that God is with you. God is with you. If you want to stay close to him, he just loves being near to you. That he's with you. And that as we finish this year, that we would be uh, grateful for the goodness and the kindness of God, the humility of God, that he's with us. God comes in humility. What a saviour. And he comes in love. For God so loved the world that he gave us his son so that we could be near to him. So this morning as we come into land, uh, I want to invite us to just respond in two ways. Firstly, um, as we look at the humility of God, sometimes it can be um, in stark contrast to where our heart has been. And we, you know, we get a bit dependent maybe on, our, um, on the income that we've got or the money we've got on the bank or the position that we have in, uh, in our workplace or the position we have in the community or whatever it may be. It's like it creeps in, right? That sense of like, oh, I'm, I'm actually somebody, you know? And sometimes there can be this like burning desire to be somebody. Um, this morning I'd invite you to once more just lay that down. And say, Lord, in the same way that you came and you laid all of it down, all of that glory, all of that holiness, Lord, I want to be more like you. Because you know in that place, there's, it's pure freedom. It's pure freedom when you live from a place of humility. 
And that's who we want to be, is we want to be more like Jesus, the humble one. But secondly, uh, maybe this morning uh, you've felt a bit distant from God. And, uh, and maybe that's because of choices or uh, maybe that's because you've just got a bit dry for whatever reason. Uh, this morning I would like to invite you just intentionally to say, Lord, I want to welcome you, the King of glory. I want to welcome you into my heart afresh. I want to welcome you into the mess of my little stable <laughs> Or the mess of my little life. You're welcome. He's not afraid of mess. Isn't it? If Advent says anything, it says he's not afraid of our mess. He's happy to be born into mess. He, he, then he starts doing a beautiful work to help clean it up and all the rest of it. But the thing is, we don't have to try and clean up the mess before we welcome him. We can just welcome him into the mess. So maybe this morning, afresh, you wanted to say, Lord, I want to invite you into the mess of my little life and invite you to come and be with me, Emmanuel, God with me. Amen. Let's just pray.